Uh, that's actually a song I wrote around the turn of the century. I just wanted to say around the turn of the century. That sounded good, didn't it? But uh, actually, I didn't write the song because David wrote the song. It's a psalm of David uh, from Psalm 130 that says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits for the Lord. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. David was, was one who was known for waiting on the Lord. You know, in our culture, how many know that we don't like to wait? We don't like to wait, do we? We don't like to wait for anything. But David was waiting on the Lord, and, and he was... I just imagine him out on the hillsides, and he's watching. He's watching as the night watchmen are coming in from their, from their watch, and they're relieved as the sun begins to rise because nighttime is the most dangerous time, isn't it, for a watchman? And so they're waiting for the sunrise. When the sun rises, it's not going to be so dangerous. I can't wait for the sun to rise. I can't wait for the sun to rise. And finally the sun rises and the, and the watchman can let down their guard a little bit. And because the sun has come. And, and, and David was saying, more than those watchmen are waiting for the sunrise. I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm waiting on you. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll walk and not be weary, and they will. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. <clears throat> We're living in a, society, in a society with basically two different worldviews. There's one worldview that refuses to wait. It's kind of a secular pessimism. And it leads to a vicious cycle of a pointless world, temporary pleasures, fruitless work. I go to work, but I go to work for nothing. Feudal wisdom, and ultimately we just die. The scripture puts it this way. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. That there's really nothing to live for other than just to go to work, enjoy ourselves, Party on the weekend as an Uber driver. I know that there's a lot of people in Knoxville that are living by that adage. Just living for the weekend. I'm just trying to make it to the weekend so I can have a week after week. And there's really no meaning in life. Christians, however, are people who are known for waiting. We're known for persevering and being patient because we're expecting a better day. Amen? We're expecting that things are not all be as they are right now. We saw a wonderful play last week where uh, the, the few that came out during the snowstorm, uh, we saw a wonderful play. And during the play, uh, they depicted that during the time that Jesus was born, the rabbis had quit talking about the coming of the Messiah. The synagogues were, were sort of becoming empty because people were frankly just kind of tired of waiting for something that was never going to happen. You know, we're living in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, in the area of the country that they know as the Bible Belt. But uh, I, I really believe that the Bible Belt has become unbuckled and 
Churches all over the city are filled with empty seats. Why are they filled with empty seats? Because people have gotten tired of waiting and they're saying, ah, things are never going to get better. Things are always going to be as they've always been. I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to go to work, live for the weekend, and that will be it. But waiting is the key to everything. God set up this world for us to wait. We plant seeds, don't we, in the springtime? But we have to wait until harvest in the fall. A couple conceives, but they cannot immediately have that child. There's a waiting that goes on. There's nine months where that child begins to grow. And there's something that happens when we wait on the Lord. There's a, there's a maturity of the soul that happens. Our souls mature when we wait on the Lord. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like the eagles. Engagement, engagement was designed to be a period of waiting. In our culture, there was a time when it was considered the normal thing to wait until marriage to become intimate. And by the way, during those days, uh, wedding ceremonies were longer and receptions were shorter. (laughs) Because the couple wanted to get out of the reception as quick as they could because they had waited. We're living in a time now where The ceremony is short. And the receptions are huge and long. We're living in a culture that has nothing left to wait for. But I want us to look at a man today who waited. And it says this, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah. He was eagerly, say the word with me, waiting. He was waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue. In other words, he wasn't one of those who had given up on God's word. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the the law required, Simeon was there. He was waiting. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised, as you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal to God to the nations, and he's the glory of your people Israel. But there was also a woman there, her name was Anna, a prophet. And she was also in the temple, and she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband had died after she had only been married seven years. Now imagine this. During those days, people got married very young. So she was probably 16 years old. She's been married seven years. She's maybe 23 years old. Her husband dies. She's only 23 years old. And look what happens. 
There she lived as a widow to the age of 84. So from the age of, let's say, 23 to 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been, say the word with me, waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Why is it in January that we set aside 21 days? Because we're saying to God, we're not relying uh, on our economy. We're not relying on our politics. We're not relying on the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. We're not waiting on that, Lord. We're waiting on you. Amen? So that's what we're saying. Our culture has a weight problem. Don't look at me. I know I've got a weight problem, but I'm not talking about that weight problem. I'm talking about a W-A-I-T problem. As Christians, we believe that life was set up to be a waiting room. Even all of this life, all of this life is really just a preparation for eternity which is to come. We're all waiting for that better day, that, that place where there is no more tears, no more sorrows, no more heartaches. Amen. We're waiting for that. And we're in the waiting room. I have a friend who's a chaplain at the hospital, and he had a, one of the nurses uh, that he'd worked with for a long time. She was very, very sick. And, and while he was in the waiting room, uh, waiting for, uh, to see how the surgery would go, it wasn't sure whether she would live or die. He wrote these words, Stakes are high, Lord. Lord, too high. Too high for patience. Too high for reflection. Too high for inactivity. Stakes are high, Lord. Uh, Lord, too high. Too high for waiting. This waiting time, Lord. This waiting time. This hardest time of all. God of patient waiting love. Steadfast, never abandoning. Relentlessly carrying grief. Constantly bearing sorrows. Jesus afflicted in every way. Every single way that we are. Come near. Enter this eerie quietness haunting spot, empty of certainty, lacking in reassurance. Enter now where hope runs thin. Speak above the storm of panic, above demanding, pleading. Remind, calm, lift. Nevertheless, I am with you. Nothing separates you from my love. We're in that waiting time, aren't we, where we're waiting for God to come through. What does waiting require? Waiting requires hearing what others don't hear. Simeon wasn't listening to all of the naysayers around that said the Messiah's never coming. He wasn't listening to what was going on in the economy around him as the Romans were taking over and, and, and people were troubled. But Simeon heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in a time when others were not hearing it. And, and as Christians... Uh, As Christians, God calls us to hear what others don't hear. And the Christmas song said it well. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Do you only hear the sounds of the world all around you? Do you only hear the clamor that you hear on the news every night? Or do you hear what I hear? That God is going to come through. Amen. Amen. So so they hear what others don't hear. But they also see what others don't see. Second Corinthians five seven says, "For we live by faith, and not by sight." 
Some people just see an empty manger. But Simeon didn't just see an empty manger. He saw a future Messiah. He didn't just see things as though they were, but he called things that were not as though they were. That's what faith is. And we as the church don't just see with our natural eyes, but we see with eyes of faith. Amen. We've got to see what others don't see. And the songwriter put it this way, do you see what I see? But not only do you hear what others don't hear, not only do you see what others don't see, but we're called to believe what others don't believe. Mary's words were, you are, the words to Mary were, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. What is it that we as Christians believe? What do we believe that makes our lives different? What do we believe that others don't believe? Well, one, we believe that God has the final word. Amen. Amen. I want to say to you here today, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what sickness you're facing. I don't know what situation you're facing. I don't know what, uh, what fears you're facing this morning. But God wants somebody to hear this morning that God has the final word. No matter what others say, no matter what the report is, God has the final word. Amen. Proverbs 15.1 We humans make plans But the Lord has the final word. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got the final word. God's got the final word. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we believe as believers in Jesus is we believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. When my wife and I were dating, you know why we waited? We waited because we knew that the best was yet to come. We knew that that, that because of the waiting, there was going to be something better that was going to come as a result of that. We as believers in Jesus, we're able to sometimes chosenly suffer a little bit now. In fact, the Bible says that Moses was willing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season because he saw something else. Amen. And he believed that the best was yet to come. And we believe that the meaning of Christmas is that Jesus brings meaning into each of our lives as a result of it. This is not, this is not just a story that we tell on December 25th and we, get, and, we, and we go back to what we were doing. And, you know, we just come to church twice a year at Christmas and on Easter to tell a nice little story No, this story makes all the difference in our lives. The meaning of this story is that the hopes and fears of all the years were met in this child. Amen. All of our hopes, all of our dreams, all that we've been waiting for, all that we hope for is contained in Jesus who came to us. Amen. So I want you to imagine back. I want you to imagine back 2,000 years. Imagine the story again. And, and, and whenever I read this story, I don't read it in the modern um, translations of the Bible because the first way I heard it was in the King James. And the story goes like this. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world 
should be taxed. And this taxing was made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph 